0: Welcome to Shapeshift. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. And today we're interviewing Brad Yoho from Dave Yoho and Associates. Uh, Brad is the chief operating officer. He's been doing this for quite some time and he's actually, we'll get into it, but he's actually in the process of uh, stepping into the CEO chair. What is uh, Dave Yoho and Associates? Well, it's one of the largest, it is the largest a consulting company for retail home improvement companies. And Brad, what's up, brother? Welcome to the show.
1: Just glad to be here, Jimmy. I know we've been trying to make this happen for some time. So glad we're able to get it on the books. Bro, I know. Between
0: you and I, our schedules are just... uh, I think that we rescheduled. I was on a plane. You had some... Man, we had had a lot of things going on. But bro, likewise, man. I'm really glad that we could connect and. And bro, like let's provide some value to our audience. So I want to start this out by talking about like, dude, I I mean, we were talking a little bit about this before we hit record that like, okay, so you're consulting home improvement companies, but is that like Angie's list? Is that like, uh, I guess, how do you fit into that whole space?
1: Well, uh, let me just take a step back real quickly, if that's okay, because I don't think most people understand how big the home improvement industry really is. Yeah, you know, it's a $600 billion plus industry, and it has so many different types of businesses in it. Now, the companies that we typically work with would be companies uh, that sell home improvement products in the home. So they're coming, they have a sales team, they have a call center that sets leads for home improvement salespeople that are coming to your house to sell you windows, doors, siding, or a number of products. And we work with them in that vein. So those are the types of companies that we typically work with just for a little context. You you have the companies like Angie's List. They're a great service provider for this industry. And then you have the manufacturers who get the products that go in the retail operations hands. So there's there's many different levels
0: to this industry. Specifically what you do, what's consulting? It, it, like here, that can mean a lot of different things. Like, so I guess, what does what do you guys do? What's your special sauce? What makes you different? Uh, we want to drive your bottom line.
1: At the end of the day, increasing your revenue is great. If you make more money, uh, that's really what it's all about. I mean, it. There's a lot of companies that want to increase that top line. That work with these companies to drive revenue, and we're going to do that too. But we want to help you become more profitable and our mantra is really improving your business is our business that's what we do we're a full service consulting firm and we believe in boots on the ground so we work with companies directly at their company to help them in these areas
0: bro okay very cool so and now i know why we're on this call because i would say that there's a ton of synergy in everything that you just said with shape software and really what i'm all about too it's Uh, you're right man a lot of times people chase after i need more sales i need more sales i need more sales i need more leads i need whatever but man uh, do you squeeze all the juice out of the stuff that you already got and also what are you doing all day is it an efficient like day Are, are are you are you doing what you should be doing at all times or are you spending time tracking down what you should do next on an excel spreadsheet so i'm a home improvement company say i sell windows I come to you and say, listen, I want to, you know, I want to improve my bottom line. What are you going to do?
1: Well, let me, let me take a step back because what I will tell you is that 95% of the companies, like you just said, they're going to say that I want you to help us close more sales or get more leads because those are the sexy topics, right? Those are, that's what people want at the end of the day. It's not always what they need, which ties in with our sales system because we want to help people work with their prospects to, to drive interest and to deliver value on what their wants are, but uncovering those needs is really where that's where the kind of action comes into play. That's where we're able to help these companies. So, you know, someone may reach out about a, a need for us to review their PL or review their cash flow statement, but that's pretty rare. Most of the time they're coming to us saying, We need to help you, uh, we need us you to help us train our sales team or review our call center scripting or something like that. Maybe, I don't know if you've, you're have you familiar with canvassing departments. We help structure
0: yeah. canvassing programs for this industry yeah. as well. So- I've done it. What, go ahead. For those of you that don't know what canvassing is, that is walking through a neighborhood, knocking on doors and setting up appointments for, um, you know, I had a brief stint as a window salesperson. Actually, I did it for four months. I hated it. I was terrible at it. So maybe, I'm not the best person to ask about it, but I also, I did mortgages, went to do that for four months, figured out, wow, I could, I'm way better at mortgages. So I went back to mortgages anyway, just really quick, short story, but canvassing is tough. And the best ones that do it are like, they do backflips at your door. And like, I mean, it's like, like, there's a lot of cool stuff that I know a lot of successful canvassers, but anyway, so, so like, you're looking at that on a micro level, but also kind of macro because Dude, you just mentioned a lot of things. I mean, it's it seems like, I mean, I look at consulting as like, yeah, look at my P&L. But I mean, I I feel like this is coaching, which is probably the same darn thing.
1: I mean, you can classify it any way you want to, Jimmy, uh, whether it's coaching, consulting. I mean, at the end of the day, the name is less important than what we do. I will say that part of the problem sometimes with a company is that they want you to do 10 to 15 different things at the same time. And then nothing right. gets done.
0: Yeah. So
1: we, do, we did mention a lot of things that we're doing because we do a lot of different things, but we don't start that way. We start with kind of what the biggest maybe expressed need is and then maybe what the biggest uncovered need is. So if someone were to say, we want you to come to our company and we want you to evaluate our sales process and maybe look at our methodology and talk to our sales manager, maybe in a one-on-one environment we might also actually also go on some ride-alongs. So um, that's a very important part of the role so we can see what's happening, but also show the salespeople some areas where they might need to improve. So in other words, we're not gonna be coming out to the business and reviewing the P&L and, and looking at the canvassing department and looking at the call center and meeting with the salespeople in two days. I mean, that we wouldn't be able to get anything done the point i think is that you know there's a process there's a scientific systematic process to everything that we teach where do we start that's really the bottom line where do we start where do we begin
0: and that's a process of just asking questions and actually interviewing the person and figuring out what is the highest best need because you're right i think that and look psh, guilty i've 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 been stretched in way too many directions at the same time and you're right bro nothing gets done and worse than that not only that nothing gets done you're overwhelmed and you're stressed and like your quality of life goes down and then all of a sudden you're not showing up as a good father as a good you're not working out you know i think even deeper you can be depressed and not make your bed i mean like legit like you could go to that 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 level of it so you're coming at it like look we're not going to overwhelm one step at a time and you identify that with an interview what's the most common thing people struggle with? Uh,
1: that's, that's a tough question. Also a bit of a loaded one, maybe. Um, maybe. Well, it's I a, think it's accountability, probably. Uh, if if I, I think that a, a lot of times, companies or people will want us to come in and hold people accountable in their business. That's mm-hmm. not our role. Our role is to show a path to, to guide you down that path, but we're not there every day. We are there, but we're not there every day in your business and our consultants who have a vast, vast amount of experience in this industry. They're certainly not employees. So how can we actually hold your people accountable? And is it our job to hold the people accountable? I would say that that's, that's really an, a very common misnomer. I, I mean, leadership I, 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 is I, I, Let me tell you a quick story here real quickly, if that's okay. I want to hear, um, yeah. We recently recently had a client. Uh, and I'm not I'm not gonna we don't share anything about our clients names what happened 100%. or anything like that. But I will tell you a very, very interesting story. They actually wanted us to come in and let someone go. That's all they wanted us to do was to show them how to let somebody go. Wow.
0: And did you do it? it it's, it's an interesting pain point. Wow. That is interesting. I mean, how would you do it? I, I've had to do it. It sucks. It's terrible. It's, it's God awful. But I guess if you've never done it before and you wear your heart on your sleeve and you genuinely care about your employees, it is tough. I mean, but I think I, 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 I don't think there's a ton of like absolute jerk bosses. I think there are definitely there. And believe me, I've worked for some of those types of people where they just absolutely don't care. But the vast majority of people, I think, mean well, and therefore, I think it's hard to probably let somebody go. So what did you do? Did you come in and do it? I mean, like, well, I think, hey, you got to go. Sorry.
1: I, I think the, <laughs> the point, the larger point is that that's not something we can do. And it goes back yeah. to accountability. You know, it's it's always interesting kind of what people perceive the role of our consulting services are. And I only brought that up as an aside, because you know us letting somebody go for a company is not something we would ever do. It, it's, um, it's, now we can yeah, give advice, we can give direction, but at the end of the day, that's not something we
0: would ever be able to do or would want to do. Got it. So, hey, I have a great business. I'm doing awesome. I really want to push it to the next level. That's, I'm calling Dave Yohan Associates because there's something I'm missing. I know I can squeeze the juice out more don't call me to fire your person. Don't call me to hold you accountable, I, I, but I can take your business to the next level. Sure, sure. I think we can, we can teach accountability,
1: but at the end of the day, it is ultimately about the business owner. Who we serve, by the way, that's, that is the role. We want to serve the business owner, but that doesn't mean that we're going to come in there and do some of the tasks that a
0: business owner should be doing themselves. I mean, you can't delegate leadership. Of The company, you know, I mean, that just kind of sounds sounds like that. So, okay, so you are the chief operating officer and I haven't asked you this yet, but I will is is how long have you been there? But I, I, but you're you're basically you're following your dad's footsteps and man, I don't know a lot of well, I do and I don't, I guess. But uh, you mentioned me, you have a brother. It's not involved in your business at all. Most people, I think, would be like, "Hey, Dad, love love your game, but Dad, I don't want anything to do with that." But you're the you're the opposite. Hey, I'm jumping in. I'm going to be the chief operator. I'm going to operate the whole company, and now you're stepping into a future future uh, role of, of of CEO. So, I guess here, how long have you been in the company for? What what what's your role there, and what's your future look like?
1: Sure. So I've been here now, gosh, 21 years. Wow, believe it or not. I, uh, I started working here in a marketing role, right out of college. And, and for context, that's my passion. Marketing is my passion. It's always been my passion. I've had to give some of that up as I've progressed through the company, which is not always easy. I bet. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's been kind of a lifelong relationship here, and I've done a lot of different things. I've worn a lot of different hats here at the company. My brother actually, had he did work in the business for a long time. So it's not that he was never in the business. He's just not working in it right now. But he has been in this business. He's worked in this industry for a long time. I think this industry is great because there's so many different layers to it that people don't understand if they're not kind of entrenched in it all the time. And I didn't understand it when I first came into this business. I think I looked at it initially as myself being an outsider, because I had a marketing background, I didn't really have a ton of experience in the industry. And I was thinking at it from an outsider's perspective, which I think served me very well early on. I bet. But as I started to progress, I really needed to learn the role and I needed to learn how to sell, which is a very crucial part of what we do and what we teach. So that's also been a big part of my progression. As far as my father, my father is you know, he's probably in this industry, one of the most important people historically. If you look his name up, it's Dave Yoho. The, the amount of stuff you're gonna see is astronomical. So- Name a couple of things. Um, he's written books, that, best-selling books. Uh, he's also won the CAVIT, which is the National Speakers Award. It's like the equivalent of the Oscar for speaking. For this industry, he's credited with, you know, bringing step selling to this industry, which is a very common thing you mentioned, step selling, everyone knows what that is. But in this industry, in the home improvement industry, not everyone knew what that was. And he's been operating in this space for decades. There's not too many people who don't know of my father. That doesn't mean they
0: know him, but they don't know of him. I mean, wow, what shoes to fill. I mean, that's got to be terrifying <laughs> I mean, in well, some ways, you know. I think I look
1: at it from the perspective of I'm not trying to do it myself. Yeah. I think that would be a disservice to him and a disservice to me. I know I have different capabilities. I know I have different skill sets, different strengths that I bring to the table. And I'm not trying to do this
0: by myself. I have a great team that's helping me. I mean, bro, 100%. I mean, wise of you to say that, you know? I mean, I don't know a leader that is like, yeah, it's all me. You know, it's actually, I'm, I'm reminded of an African proverb. A good friend of mine, Amir Sayed, talks about this and he just, he said it to me and it just like clicked with me. If you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go with other people. Oh my gosh, I just butchered that. That's not how it goes. If you want to go, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others that's great cliche, but close also, it's not like you were completely off the first, I, I, but he, <laughs> it, it flows so much better when you say it right. correctly. But, but anyway, like, bro, that's just, it's wise. I mean, that's just what it is because I, bro, I'm sure, I'm sure you went fast and you did it by yourself at some point. I mean, I'm sorry, but we were all 20, 20 year old kids at sure. one point. You know what I mean? But like, you know, this, everybody does the, the, the best people, are the best leaders that lead the best teams, and that's cool that you're you're, you're stepping up and bringing everybody along with you. So I want to talk about shape. So you've seen you've seen shape, and you're more so like you're not in the business in the sense that like you're getting leads and you're calling them. You're more so advising people that are getting leads and then calling them, or or have a process that it has to flow through a system and there's multiple different points in that so you've seen shape what'd you think about it what were the things that you uh, thought jumped out at you uh when you when you first saw it
1: well and i'll I'll couch this just by saying it's been a few months that i've seen it but i will tell you that i have a high kind of level of experience with crms i used to go to conferences back in the 2005 2010 range so it's something that I have a high level of familiarity with. I think I always like to look at a CRM to just to see how user-friendly it is. That's kind of the first thing I look at, the navigation structure. How easy is it for someone who's never seen it before, who may not understand without just taking kind of a, a bird's-eye scope of everything on the, on the screen, how easy it for them to say, okay, this is where I might want to go to do this, and this is where I might want to go to do this. You kind of have to, to oversimplify it, I think. And then when it comes to the companies that we work with, I think that there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, you know, it's a CRM in this industry needs to do so many different things. It's more than just managing data. It's more than just sending out emails and customer records and classifying people. You need to have kind of a a, a kind of a snapshot view. Of every single customer and prospect and engaged individual in your system, so that you can follow up with them accordingly. And I think I think that I was impressed by what I saw so far. I didn't I didn't go through the entire platform, but what I saw was impressive.
0: I literally talk about it with some of the higher ups at Shape, and we talk like every demo that I've ever done that lasted an hour. We just scratched the surface. There's just so much that it can do, and and it's fully customizable. So like for instance, um home improvement is a vertical that we are in, but it's definitely not our like number one vertical for sure. We primarily we have our biggest chunk is in the mortgage space, but we're huge in solar, huge in insurance, yep. recruiting, uh real estate. Anyway, how would you see in your experience shape being a solution for someone running a home improvement type business? Well, i think the good thing is this is a great time for it because you know everyone
1: needs that whether they have a solution that fits their needs or they think fits their needs not uh, or does not pretty much everybody in this industry needs something like shape or a similar crm it's it's not like a decade ago when people could get by i think on managing customer data a little differently you can't do that anymore so you need to have some type of a solution to be able to manage everything that's going on in your business, which is not possible without something that can do that, whether it's SHAPE, whether it's some some other provider, um, it's a big need. I would say that most companies have something. It's just a matter of whether they have the, something that's the best fit. I, I mean,
0: 100%. So you said most companies have something. Do some people
1: have nothing? I mean,
0: if you're you're talking
1: the smallest of the smallest of the small companies, they may get by with, you know, managing some spreadsheets or, or things like that to 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 track their data. Outside of that, it I would say it's got to be pretty rare for a company in this industry to not have some type of a CRM. Now it may not have all the capabilities that a Shape or somebody else has. It may just be a, a functioning CRM that really just allows them to categorize people. And that's really about it. But it's, it's becoming more commonplace, I think, to look for a a very, very uh, elaborate CRM with a lot of integrations that can connect because the thing is, there's so many different companies now coming into this space uh, that do different things. So having a CRM or something similar that can
0: integrate with these solutions is crucial. 100%. And I, I think that's, I mean, whatever, it's not a It is a shape pitch. I will, I'll just call it out. But shape does have an open API, direct connect with everything. For instance, BombBomb. It's not just that you get to see if somebody opened an email, you get to see, did they click on the video and watch it? How long did they watch it? Did they watch it to completion? And that can trigger different things in a system where, hey, if you have a thousand people to follow up with, you sent an email to all thousand of them, but these hundred looked at, watch the video. These 10 watched it all the way through. Who should you call first? Who should you follow up with first? Probably yeah. those first 10. And that's just the thing. I think that uh, I'm really glad that you said very little of the people that you work with, which is more of the higher ech- upper echelon of, of, of the businesses. Very little, very few, if any, do it off of an Excel spreadsheet. But brother, can I tell you this? You, you You'll never believe this. Most people work off a freaking Excel spreadsheet or a Google sheet. And some people, especially in the mortgage space, they're freaking cocky about it. Like, yeah, bro, I have it all right here. So that's not a simple I I agree. I think any type of CRM, a place where you digitally put all of your information into, into, into something that will allow you to send a mass email or... You have all their information in one place and it's not on something that's chaotic where multiple people can access it i think that's level one i think that's a digital rolodex which is a crm but then you're talking about lead management so lead management is all right well now at what time do we do this email at what time does this contract go out at what time does this follow-up happen and 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 that's really where the magic of a good lead management system comes into play, the Get It Done Podcast is brought to you by Shape, the most powerful mortgage software with everything from texting, lead management, a dialer, LOS integrations, and over 5,000 other apps to help LOs take more deals from new lead to close loan. Sure. Where do you see most people missing out on the lead management side in your space? Uh, I had a mentor who told me a long
1: time ago, that the best thing that we could do as a company and that I could do in my role in the company was to let data drive my decisions, yeah. to let data drive our decision making processes. Because if you do that, then it makes it so much easier. It's, it makes it so much easier for you. If you know the data, and we're a very data heavy company, Dave, Dave Yoho Associates, when we work with a client, We're uncovering so much information about their different metrics, their KPIs, before we're going to work with them. Um, But if you do that work on the front end, and it is work, you know, you have to put in the work on the front end. It makes it so much easier on the back end because you can just go and look at something and know if it's off track immediately. So I think that that's something that um, people are doing a little bit better than they used to but probably still not, um, comprehensively. So they don't always know the key metrics to look at. Um, they don't always know, and they don't always do it consistently. That's the other thing, you know, it's something that might go, Oh, let's look at that right now. it's not being done every week, every month, every quarter, every, every, uh, two quarters. It's not, it's not, it's not something that's done on a consistent basis that we find.
0: Bro, that's an epic quote. I just want to say that. Let data drive decisions. That's so epic. You should frame that and put up 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 on a wall. That's well, just I mean,
1: that I, I won't take credit for it because someone told me it. one of my mentors told me it a long time ago.
0: Bro, you should say that every day. It's such a it's a, it's such a great quote. And this is the thing though. It's it's it how are you tracking your data and what's your data integrity? And that's another thing. It's just like if you're relying on manual input, if you're relying on your brain to remember stuff. How much falls out, number one? But then number two, how do you make decisions on what worked and what didn't later? And you could do a big campaign, spend a bunch of money on getting leads in the door or whatever it is. But if you don't track how it actually happened, what happened afterwards, you sit back and look, hey, I mean, even if it was successful, even if it was, even if you drove sales, okay, I want to do it again. What did we learn from last time? I didn't learn anything because I didn't keep good track of the data. And I, I I think data integrity is like level one, get it into a CRM level two, what's the process. But like, I think it's even level three, level four is data integrity so that you can make decisions that help level one, level two and drive the sales. And that's how you help your company
1: overall is, is you help it, you help its health by just, by just staying on top of that data. And it is, it's not easy to do, um, you know, but I think there is, I don't know if the right word is arrogance, but I will tell you that there were many times early in my career where I would would create a marketing campaign that I thought was just incredible. You know, this is perfect and I don't need to track this. I don't need to to measure this. This is going to knock everything out of the ballpark. It was thinking arrogantly, um, what would happen is I would compare that to something that wasn't quite as maybe flashy or uh, strategic as I thought it was, and it performed better. So yeah. you don't always know without measuring it what things what, what's really happening. You know, you, you think you know, but sometimes you're surprised, even when you've been doing this for years, for decades, there's always things that are going to come. There's always curveballs. You can always learn things.
0: Right, hundred percent. And bro, so you started in marketing. Um, this is a interesting topic, especially in a lot of different fields. It's been said, and I agree with it, is that there are people there are people that are really good at sales, but they're terrible marketers, and then there are people that are really good at marketing that are terrible sales. So I got to ask you, did you ever, did you struggle with sales or when you were good at marketing? I did, and I, I'm still very good at marketing and I'm good at sales
1: now too, but sales took a while. I mean, so yeah. you come into this company and my father is, is known for bringing step selling to this industry. My brother is an amazing, amazing salesperson, sales trainer historically in this industry. And what we do as a company, the people who consult for us, they are extremely skilled from a sales perspective. That was never natural for me it doesn't mean i couldn't learn it i did learn it but it didn't come natural for me it's all about behavior at the end of the day you know i don't have a sales behavior we're big believers in using um assessments like the disc
0: profile to understand people better profile what's your what's your what's your disc profile i'm
1: a creative what's the letters i'm a high d high c so it's like the bucket yeah which is like this also because the high d's and high c's don't get along with one another so that's interesting yeah.
0: too. Well, it's, I thought it was D-I-S-C. The the, SC, the S-C's are the perfect match to the D-I's. Yeah, so it is
1: D-I-S-C. Typically, it's a high D, high I, and a low S, low C, but that's not always the case. So yeah. I'm a high D, low I, low S, high C.
0: That's, cr- that's, that's so interesting. That's kind of a rare, dis- that has to be a rare disc profile. I don't know that I've ever seen somebody like that truthfully. I mean, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying
1: it's it's, there's there's more than you might think. But there's not many that have as high a D and high C as I do.
0: Like, bro, I'm a 99 D 99 I I'm basically okay, you're a salesman, dude, you know, go run a company and have no boss, you know, and don't work with anybody because you're terrible at that. Anyway. But my point is, is that I'm actually I'm higher in the collaboration, but it's not about me. I'm just I'm always in mentions of just profile, I just dude, you're picking my nerd, you know, I'm gonna nerd out. I
1: love I love the disc. I mean, we have our own disc, actually, that we do here at Dave Yoho Associates, we have hundreds of customers that use it. But I brought it up because when you asked me about sales, I don't have a sales profile, and I had to learn it. I didn't come natural for me. But I'm good at it now, because I took the time to learn
0: it. I I think that's, that's just great. That's wisdom, because I I was Similar with marketing, I was a terrible marketer. I was just, I would just always rely on, and I think a lot of people share this story, is that I would just rely on charisma in the moment and just just, just throw myself at it, I'll figure it out as I go. And that generally was the case. So, I mean, talk about like head as big as possible and pride, you know, I had to work on that a lot, but it's because it was true, but then marketing isn't that. Marketing is pulling people in, whereas sales is pushing and asking and going out to get, marketing is bringing people to you. And it's quite a different play, but I, had to, but I also worked on it, you know? And when you learn how to pull, man, to anybody that's just used to pushing, when you learn how to pull, it's just easier. It's so much sure. easier. So you have seen shape in a general way. There's a right way and a wrong way to do home improvement as far as a process goes. What would you say is the most efficient, effective way if you were to just sum it up, gosh, I don't know if this isn't, I'm, I'm asking you a super complex question and asking you to tell it to me in a tweet. So I'm admitting that right away. But what's, I guess, the best process and flow of how a sale needs to happen for a company in home improvement where you see a excellent lead management system like Shape coming into play to help? Sure. So
1: I'll give you kind of the 50,000 foot view um, yeah. as condensed as possible. It all starts with how the lead comes in. So that's that's where it begins. Now, that could be a phone call. That could be a, a web lead. It could be, you know, they could be getting a lead at a show and event. Um, however, that lead is brought in, whatever is done to set that appointment, how whatever language is used to confirm that appointment with the homeowners, that's where it begins. So what we wanna know first of all is what is being said Or what is being transmitted via communication to those homeowners and how does that align with what that sales rep says as soon as he gets to the door because if there's a misalignment there it's off track immediately so what we call the value of the visit which is not a this is not a revolutionary statement the value of the visit just has to do with how that lead is set so that people understand what's going to take place When the sales professional comes to their home so the sales professional needs to prepare they need to understand that they need to spend time and i think that that falls on the training of the sales department as well a lot of people try to use shortcuts so if you use a shortcut in the home and you're not doing a proper needs assessment or inspection then you're not you're really doing a disservice to the homeowner who is having you come out to their home for, you know, 75 to 90 minutes and you're shortcutting it. That's their valuable time. So th- people look at it the wrong way. They think they're they think they're spending too much time with these people when in fact, most of the time they want to know what you have to offer. And that's not a 100% of the time, but that's a lot of times where things break down. So they have to go through each step of the sales process and get a commitment. You get a commitment to the agenda that you're gonna present in the home. You get the commitment to the need that you're there to sell on. You get a commitment to the value because you wanna sell value over price. You get a commitment to the customized solution that you're gonna be presenting to that homeowner. You get a commitment to the presentation, to the price and to wrapping up. It's just the closing checklist. Now, a lot of times where it falls off the rails again is that post-close. So how are you making someone feel warm and fuzzy inside when they just spent maybe $50,000 on something and they don't wake up the next day saying, oh my gosh, what the hell did I just do right now? I just spent $50,000 on something yeah. that I might not need. So where does something like SHAPE come into play? It comes in at all parts of that because you know, you have to know where the leads are coming from. You have to know what's happening when the sale is being made. But what happens if the sale isn't made? What happens at that point? What happens to that lead? Does it just stay in that individual's hands for two weeks and he does whatever he wants with it? Or are you following up with them consistently? A lot of people in this industry, they also have uh, what we might call a rehash or revisit specialist whose job it is. If somebody doesn't sell it, their job is to sell it. Because at the end of the day, as much as I love salespeople, they need to understand that the lead isn't theirs. It's the owner of the
0: businesses. So you said a lot of interesting things. And thank you for that was a great 50,000 foot view. Honestly, that was that was I mean, just to spit it out like, hey, put your talent. That was great. So what I wrote down was, well, here, first off to build off what you just said, it takes on average in multiple industries, multiple verticals, 17 attempts, reach outs, contacts, omni-channel to get a closing. That's in mortgage, real estate, insurance, recruiting, solar. I have to imagine that in home improvement, it's gonna be similar. And in, in what you're talking about is, okay, first we have a lead, that's a contact, that's a reach out. Then an appointment set. Okay, but how does that happen? Where The arrow from lead to appointment, how does that happen? What system handles that part? And then is that system the same as the appointment to the door? Dude, the value of the visit is how the lead is set. Yes. And the thing is, is that you can't figure out how the lead, you, you can't tie it all together if it's not all in the same system. Like if it's one company making lead to appointment and then it's another company like actually going to do it and there's no communication between the two. Yeah. How do you know how that was set? So, I mean, there's that. And then you go to the door and you sell something for $50,000. They're in the ether. They see the value. It's awesome. But then they wake up the next morning like, holy shit, I just spent $50,000 and I'm out (laughs) of the ether. And I don't know if I need this anymore. What happens then? Well, how about a text message automatically goes out? Hey, listen, really appreciate you working with us. And like, here's a new, another new thing, by the way, we're giving you this. And like, maybe that comes in at the exact time that it needs to be. And by the way, we're throwing in this because you're on this street and we're going to market and we're going to, whatever, something happens right then and there. And then what happens until it's installed? uh, Is there a process? And then post close, I bet you, I guarantee this, especially it's same every industry, but what do you do with a client when you have them after you've done the business? Is that it? All right, check. You know, I have this big past client database that I never market to, you know, and it, is there a process for that? So anyway, I, I'm i kind of like taking over with this, but I'm just looking at it like you need something to tile those together and it better, like imagine if the dude's driving to the, to the appointment and they could see exactly how the appointment was set. Hey, they were promised a free gift card if they sat through 90 minutes. Well, okay. Well, that, that that's a little bit different than they called in and said, I really need this done and I need to get it done right away. And you're as a salesperson, you can kind of tailor your presentation to that. And that's that's important. It's tailoring, it's
1: but it's not changing. Like that's the thing. You have to understand that you have to stick with the system. That doesn't mean that you can't personalize it, that you can't tailor it to how what their specific needs are, what you know. And that, that does fall on the company, getting that data into the salesperson's hands so that they have an understanding of how the lead was set, how it came in, what information they have. So that those are very important things. The other thing I'll tell you about the post-close is this. A salesperson is trained. It's just in their mindset, they're innate. They wanna move on immediately from a sale. It's what makes them so good at what they do? But the problem is if you don't, I love the idea of sending up follow-ups and referrals and things like that, but the salesperson should also be transmitting that point of sale after the sale, communicating to them to let them know that they made the right decision. Yeah. So that's the other part of the equation that, and you know, that's not that that's not how salespeople think.
0: They move you, on. Well, okay. So here, just idea. All right. Somebody's working in shape, and let's just just say the CEO of XYZ home improvement company. They sell they sell a job. The salesman goes, they do their job. They get the contract signed, you know, 3-day right of rescission, all that stuff. Okay. What if a video shot with bomb bomb goes to a text message goes to the two homeowners and says, "Hi, I'm the CEO of XYZ and I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for working with us and we look forward to getting your job the job done. And if you need anything, this is my direct line. You can call me." But I just want to tell you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. We really love it. Whatever. Something like that. And, and that's it. What if it's not even the salesperson? What if it's just systemized in where you can get the feel goods right after? And then all of a sudden, hey, I was, I'm on Ether. But you know what? Yeah. You know what, honey? I think we made the right call here. You watch that video we got? Isn't that cool? Or whatever, or it's just a text message or it's like, or it's mail or, or whatever. But there's something in behind the scenes that doesn't require a human being to actually do anything. It just triggers it. Sale made. This process happens. Yep. And and it, and it is going to leave people warm and fuzzy inside. And the
1: thing is, at the end of the day, there's always going to be some, we call it rescission, a cancellation. There's always going to be some of that. It's not possible. If you don't have at least some rescission, then something's wrong. <laughs> something's right. wrong in what you're doing. You're probably not asking enough. You know, exactly, you're not. exactly. So you should have some, it's not to have an inordinate amount of it, but think of that, what you just said there, if you could just recover a few, a handful of people who might've canceled if they didn't get that, what would the value of that be?
0: 100%. So, okay, kind of kind of weird question, but look, SHAPE does a lot as you, as you are aware. If you were just to say, hey, I have a system that you can click to dial, you can use a mobile app to do everything, text messages, videos, all of that, and it can integrate with anything, I guess low-hanging fruit. If someone had shape and you knew all of its capabilities, what would be something that you think, like I mentioned here, the, a post-closed video from the CEO, it, if it could do anything, what would you want people to do?
1: Uh, I think that's tough, just to pick one thing, Uh, I would say probably just having a a better understanding of what the the data is in your organization, what some of the key metrics are, Um, being able to have that at meetings with your with your leadership team over and over again to understanding, okay, this is our close rate against leads issued, this is our close rate against presentations, there's something we track. Uh, we, we teach companies to track, and this is not new or anything, but it's something we've been doing for a long time. It's efficiency rating or NSLI. Some of those key things, tracking that and being able to present that in a, in like a dashboard or a screenshot over and over and over again, that would be pretty impactful.
0: Boy, that's, and that's definitely, that's something that Shape does. I think that that, it allows you to make decisions. You're Totally right. Let data drive decisions. So if you have one lead source, one salesperson, one closer, one contract signer, and you can tell that every time this person's involved, the numbers go down on a negative angle, or you can tell every time this person's involved, wow, the numbers go up. Well, what are they doing? Let's copy them. Let the data drive drive the decisions. And this is like advanced high level stuff you only know that stuff if you're tracking all of the pieces in between lead to appointment to door to post close to installation to past client how do you know how to make decisions unless you do that so okay what are you most excited about for the future of your of, of the home improvement industry well i just think it's an interesting time right now um
1: one of the things i think that's interested right now in this industry is i'll be very candid with you uh, from a technology perspective it's very behind other industries Uh, I tell people that all the time, whether they like to hear it or not. Right. Um, Because I've been involved with technology since the early 2000s, and it's starting to catch up a little bit. But the reason I bring that up is there's a lot of awesome companies that are coming into this space right now that weren't there before. So whether it's a a CRM provider like like Shape, or whether it's a company that does visualizations, or whether it's a, a company like one of our strategic partners, which actually gives companies the ability to record their salespeople making presentations in the home so they can listen to that data and make decisions based on, okay, there, there are gaps here. There's clear gaps in what they're presenting to the homeowner. They're not really drilling down on the methodology. So that's really neat. The only, the only thing I always like to add is it doesn't replace what you're doing. It doesn't replace your processes and it doesn't replace your people. Um, It's a compliment. If you use it as a compliment to what you're doing effectively right now today, then it's going to be so impactful for your business. It's going to be able to change your business entirely. So that's that's probably the biggest thing I would get across. It's going to be really interesting to see we see it all the time. There's there's so many companies who are uh, reaching out to us right now who are new to this industry, who are really just trying to understand it. And once they learn to understand the industry, how they can help these companies make better decisions, it's going to be better for everybody.
0: AI is a sexy topic. How is AI affecting your industry? I think people are still kind of learning
1: it. Uh, you know, it's still be, it's it's behind other industries, Jimmy. It's it just is. I use AI. I don't really use it a ton as a replacement for anything. It's just not something I like to do. I, I like to use it to brainstorm. For me personally, I get if I get stuck on something, I always go to AI. If I'm I'm trying to roadmap something out that I'm doing, I go to AI consistently. Or if I'm trying to put together some something from a standpoint of planning, I go to it a lot. Uh, content marketing is awesome. AI. There's so many use
0: cases for it. I think, think the best
1: is yet to come. I- <laughs>
0: do you think uh, how do you think people are going to use it in the future like i I mean you're right i think that this is a bro what a crazy time to be alive i think just there's the advancements are just happening at a record pace and i think that to quote a lot of great people in the mortgage industry for instance it's it's um ai is not going to replace a a mortgage loan officer ai is not going to replace somebody that does the sit ai is not going to replace the salesperson but the salesperson the professional that uses ai will replace the professional that doesn't that the the professional that embraces technology will run circles around the person that doesn't and i think that that's just true in every vertical i i i quicken loans is a great example they have the best technology but they don't have the best sales or the best rates or the best oh, there's so many things that and not a knock on quicken loans but it's just like they know they don't they they lose more business than people get you you know i mean just because they have so much so much volume coming in give I'll, I'll give you an example let me let me give an i i just thought of something might be a good
1: answer for your question cool. Too. okay cool one of the things we always talk about in our industry is this time today 2023 heading into 2024 when i know this is going to be coming out customers prospects homeowners more than ever can find out anything about your company right but what about the reverse using AI the reverse. How much can you find out about your, and it's a little scary, I think. You get into some privacy stuff a little bit, but finding out information about your homeowners as far as what their preference are, what their needs are, what their buying habits are. It's something that companies I know because I talk with them are researching on how to use this to help people
0: sell more and sell more profitably. Well, can you imagine if you knew that they had kids, how old they were? If you could, could you imagine if you knew that they were have no kids? You know, they're um, empty nesters or doulas, dual income, no kid. You know, it, it, can you imagine how you could tailor fit a process if you just knew that data? I think here to the to the boomer generation that probably isn't listening to this. Let's just be honest. It that's scary. I think even to the Gen X, but millennials. They're on the borderline of caring. They're the first people that had to like give all the, you know, authorizations (laughs) to Facebook. Right. But Gen Z doesn't care at all. Not even close. Gen Z is like everything I post is public. Like whatever. I'm In general, I'm not saying everybody. But like, so my point is, is that as, for instance, as Gen Z becomes, gets into their 30s, we're going to have the data. Like it's going to be there. And what can you do with it? Dude, that's exciting. I think that that's... um... I don't think that that's a bad thing. And I and I think that, you know, if you're going to be, I think the old school salesperson relying just on charisma, like like the old school me, I think. And I think a lot of people just throwing yourself into it and figure it out as you go. I don't think that works as well moving forward. And I think that the person that truly embraces technology, I think they're going to be light years ahead in both numbers, sales, all, all of it. And that's it. So, okay, Brad, I, I just, I'm just wrapping this up. While you are on the Shapeshift podcast, the most listened to podcast in the world, <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. But bro, we're talking to the world right now. Is there anything that you want to say to the world? You got your chance right here, right in front of Jimmy Ryan. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. I mean, I think I think that you know, for companies
1: in the space, let's talk about whether you're uh, someone who's in the home improvement remodeling space. Just just focus on what you can do to improve month after month, year after year, to grow your bottom line, not chase the quick wins, not chase the magic bullets and shiny objects in the sky. There's real money to be made. There's real impact to be made in this industry that's growing every single year, year after year. So uh, I think that's a really uh, cool goal to have for people in this industry. For those who are outside the industry, you know, I think Take the time to learn about how you can apply what we talked about, uh, letting let it, letting data drive your decisions. That's something that can be applied to whatever you're doing, I think. It's, it's something that's applicable to anybody in any industry, in any walk of life.
0: 100%. Brother, I, I'm going to name this podcast, Let Data Drive Decisions. That's just such an epic quote. Brad Yoho, everybody. And uh, Brad, if somebody wanted to reach out to you to connect, what would be the best way for them to do so?
1: Uh, Probably LinkedIn is is usually the best. If you just go to LinkedIn, I I have a name that's not shared by many others. So if you type in Brad Yoho, that's Y-O-H-O, there won't be a ton of other people who are going to pop up under that name. So it's pretty easy to find me.
0: I mean, bro, I'm kind of jealous. I mean... Believe it or not, there's a lot of Jim, Jimmy Ryans out there. You know, I mean Is that right? Really? But, I wouldn't have but, guessed that. But see, that's why I spell it J-I-M-I. I have a story to it, which I didn't just like, oh, I'm gonna name it something different. Because anyway, I'll tell it. I have the story on many other podcasts, but um, but to wrap this up, uh Brad, I just I want to thank you again for for joining us today. I especially want to thank our audience uh for listening in and uh, make sure you check out uh, uh, Brad at uh, Dave Yoho and Associates. And and hey, if you've taken some value from this, if you do me a favor, write a comment, send us some love. If you hated it, tell us, let, let me know. I mean, give me some on, honest feedback. We'd love it. And uh, once again, I am Jimmy Ryan, and this has been the Shift Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.